you would this morning, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. We'll start a reading there in verse 9. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. title of the sermon this morning, the church that God attends. Surely, surely everyone in our community today, surely everyone in our state today, everyone that's attending church are concerned if God would attend with them. You would think that, wouldn't you? But I don't believe that to be the case. When you say Calvary Baptist Church, would you want to be the church that God would attend? I would hope you would say yes. But I'm going to tell you there's some ingredients to that. Heard a story one time of an old cowboy. Came into a place and was looking for a church to go to. He was going to be there about a month or so. He walked in this church one Sunday morning and he had on a pair of old scuffed up cowboy boots. But now he had knocked the mud off of them. He had cleaned them up to where they were as good as they could be. He had a pair of older blue jeans on that wasn't tore up, but they were older. But they were clean. And then he had an old rough-looking denim shirt on. And he was carrying a sweat-ringed cowboy hat in his hand. He walks into this church and the church was filled with people that the ladies had pearls on, around their necks, pearl earrings in their ears, diamond rings on their hand. The men were dressed in tailor-made suits. And as the old cowboy sat down, everybody left him sitting right there. Didn't even offend him. The preacher after the service came to him and told him, said, Sir, I'm going to challenge you to do something. He said, very well. What is it? He said, I want you to go home this week and before you come back here, you find out what God tells you the proper attire is to wear when you come to this church. The old cowboy didn't even know he was being offended. He said, I'll sure do that, preacher. He went home that week, prayed on it. The following Sunday, he walked in the church, had the same boots on, same pants on, same shirt, carrying the same sweat-ringed cowboy hat in his hand. Sets down with the preacher didn't get to him before the service started and the preacher could barely get through the sermon. Just as soon as he got through, as soon as the invitation had taken place, he went to the chairman of his deacons said, me and you are going to go have to go straighten this fellow out. So they confronted the old cowboy once again and said, sir, I thought I asked you to pray all week about the attire that you're to wear when you come here. He looked at the preacher and said, well, preacher, I did. Prayed all week, and he said, about Friday, God spoke to me and told me. He said, I don't have a clue. I've never been there. (laughs) So that's why I'm in what I'm in this morning. Truly how sad that is, though. Surely we would want a church that God attends. Look there with me in verse 9 of the first chapter of the book of Revelation. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what thou seest write in the book and send it unto the seven churches which are in Asia, unto Ephesus, and unto Smyrna, and unto uh, uh, Pergamos, and unto Thyatira, and unto Sardis, and unto Philadelphia, and unto Laodicea. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed in a garment down to his feet, and girded about with palps of golden girdle. And his head and his hair were like wool, white as snow. And his eyes were as flame of fire. And his feet was like unto fine brass, as they had burned in the furnace. And his voice as the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars. And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive evermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, I'm thankful today, first and foremost, that I know Alpha and Omega. I know the first and the last. I know the one that was, uh, that's alive, that had been dead and is now alive evermore. That's my Jesus. And I'm thankful today for it. Not because I'm deserving of it, but just you love me that much. So Lord, I pray that heaven come down this morning. Calvary Baptist Church. And Lord, that you would hide me behind the cross, that Satan would be barred from this place in the name of Jesus, that he can't stay. And Lord, that your word would uh, be applied as the Holy Spirit moves upon us this morning, that it would penetrate our hearts, it would penetrate our minds, it would penetrate our souls, that you would be worshipped and be pleased. Change us this morning. Make more of me than I already am. Change me from who I am to what you would have me to be. Amen. You know, everyone has an opinion on what the church is to look like. I'm going to help clear that up for us today. Word of God's going to. I'm not. You know, the older adults have their idea. The middle-aged adults have their idea of what the church needs or is to look like. Then the, uh, the unmarried adults have their idea, and the adults that wish they weren't married have their idea. This morning, the Word of God is going to show us what is needed for, the God, for God to attend our church. But before I get into our Scripture this morning, 
I want us to look at the first ingredient that must take place. The first thing that has to be there, there has to be a foundation in which to build the church on that God can attend, right? There has to be a foundation. And see, that foundation's been talked about all through the Word of God. It's a rock. Remember that, Brother Cor? It's a rock sitting there. This is where you'll build your church. It's on Jesus Christ Himself and no other. And for us to have a church that God will attend, we will have to make much of the Lord Jesus Christ to do it. We'll have to make much of the Lord. We'll have to make much of the worship of the Lord before He's going to attend. But now let me tell you this. Worship is not what you think it is. Worship is not some preconceived idea that mankind has come up with and said it has to be laid out like this. No, worship is what the Holy Spirit starts moving in the redeemed's heart and what He shows them worship is. You will not worship without the Holy Spirit showing you. If you had any uh, conclusion or thought, I know what it's going to look like at Calvary this morning, you've already missed it. You've already missed it. You should have been on bended knee and say, Lord, I'll worship you today. It's impossible for me to do that with what I am. I need the Holy Spirit to move in my life. And I'm going to carry him to church with me to where God will be worshipped. That's what happens. No, I'm not saying that the things that are used within a church can't be used for worship. Praise God we have this screen here. First time I've ever looked at it while I was preaching. Praise God we have that. God can use that for His glory. Praise God we have the projectors to put the picture on there. Thank Him for the sound system. Piano. Patty pews. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is this. This new age church service that we hear so much, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm sick of the mess. I'm just going to be honest with you. About what everybody thinks worship's supposed to be. Well, I'm going to tell you, I know what worship's supposed to be because I know the Word of God. I know what worship is to be. Somewhere in this new age thinking, people think that you must sing for 45 minutes and stand while doing it like you're at the Talladega 500 watching the last five laps of a race. That's just the way it's got to be if you're going to worship. Then they think that you also have to be swaying at the same time with both hands in the air, moving back and forth like at the end of a sixth inning at a major league ball game getting ready for the seventh inning stretch. Because they've got to have some entertainment. We have to be entertained. You're going to lock me in for an hour. Then we go further. We uh, have a man come stand behind the pulpit that they put there. That's how he got there. He gets up there for 15 minutes, says that he's a preacher. He'll talk to them about something that he found online or he read in the Reader's Digest or found in his own TV guide. So that when the church leaves, that everyone can be happy and feel like they were entertained that day God forbid that anyone would come and sit under the preaching of God's word and the proclaiming of God's word and ever be convicted about anything in their life 
God forbid that the Holy Spirit would move in them as the preaching and proclaiming of the Word is being shown to them. That God would move in there. The Holy Spirit would show them what they can't see that's wrong in their life. And God forbid that they would ever say, i got to get this right. Jesus, help me get this right. Forgive me and get this right. And then God forbid that a lost person would come on Sunday and any of them that we would ever give them a guilt complex about the lost condition that they're in and they're going to die and go to hell in their sins, well, we don't want them to have that when they leave. Let me tell you something. Church is not about numbers. Church is about the moving of the Holy Spirit into God's people's heart that want to receive it and have a change happen in their life. And you'll worship Him like that or you will not worship Him at all. So the fact of the matter is this. I hear it. A bunch. I believe this with all my heart. God has foreordained the preaching of the Word of God and by the means that God's people will be stirred. Praise God for good singing. Praise God for all these things that we have. And you can use them. But something's went wrong. Something's bad wrong if we think we have to have them. Here's the fact. You can take that screen, that screen, and knock a hole out where you can't see what's happening back there. You can knock, get a long pole and knock in projectors out of this ceiling. You can take all and cut all the foam rubber out of those seats and take a four-wheeler and drag that across the road. And as long as the proclaiming and the preaching of God's Word is coming from behind the pulpit, as long as God's people desire a change in their hearts through the teaching of Sunday school and nursery, God will be worshipped just like that. Oh, it would be pitiful if God had to have all this for us to worship. Miss Becky just was in Africa. They ain't never seen anything like this. But God will show up in Africa when much is made of Him. Let's never get to the place think we've got to be entertained. You need to be entertained, wait and go to the movies after church. This is not where entertainment happens. This is a house of worship. This is a house of worship. So I just gave you that free. Now we'll get to the passage. First of all, I see to have a church that God attends, there has to be disciples there. Look there with me in verse 9. I, John, who also am your brother. You remember John when he was called to follow Christ? You remember that story? What happened? Jesus is walking down by the seashore. He sees an old boy mending his nets with his daddy. Remember what he said? Y'all come on. You're going to follow me. You know what he done? He said, Daddy, I'll see you later. He dropped a net with a hole in it and he left. His whole life, everything that he knew, he threw away and followed Christ. See, that's the mark of a, of a disciple. That's the first ingredient of a disciple. It's not about me, it's about Jesus. And he done that. But now let me say something. Let me say something here. I fear today, I fear today that we truly don't know what a child of God is to look like. I see old John. There was a change here. I see old John. He dropped everything he had. He put away everything he knew and said, I'll just follow Jesus in it. See, that's what Christians do. That's what a child of God is to do. You know, to 
today, I fear that we think, well, you know what? Well, uh, I asked Jesus to save me. He come into my heart and he saved me and I'm saved. It's amen on Sunday and it's on me on Monday. And I'm going to get to heaven, boy. It's just going to be, I know that Jesus saved me. I'm going to get there, but I won't have any reward for it. But, whoo, I'm not going to hell. And too many of God's people is satisfied with that. Are you satisfied with that? Is that all Christianity means to you? No, I'm going to tell you. What true Christianity is, is a child of God that's been redeemed saying, not only have I been delivered from hell, not only that, I'm going to give all my life has been changed. All things have changed. Old things passed away, all things become new. I fear too many times that all things don't become new. Something was wrong. Something was Happened that was wrong. See, uh, when Jesus comes in and we make become disciples, we make a lordship. We give him lordship of our lives. Jesus Christ said, you take up your cross and follow me. That is a servant. A true disciple will say, I have one life to live. I have one life to live and I'm going to live it for Jesus regardless of the cost. I'm going to just live it for Jesus. See, that's what a disciple as Brother Jason talked about, you see, this person don't get ugly when somebody gets an order wrong. They only have one life to live. And I'm going to live it for Jesus. I'm going to let others see Jesus in me. I'm going to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. He will be Lord over my life. Not only is he my Savior, he's going to be my Lord. There will be a testimony in my life that others will see that I love Jesus. I love Jesus. I wonder what Calvary Baptist Church could do in this town, this county, this state, this country, and this world if we were true disciples and we would give all of life to Him. If we were to give all of our money. Hold up, preachers done got to money here again. Let me tell you what, the Word of God is clear. You're stealing if you don't tithe. It's not yours. It's God's. That's a fact. But I'm going to tell you what else. If you're not giving him your time, you're stealing from him again. If you're not giving him your talents, you're stealing from him again. If you're not giving him all your dreams, so you know, uh, mankind, boy, we can set up and say, boy, this is what I look for. This is what I want my life to look for. What I'm going to do, I'm going to go here, I'm going to get this degree, and then I'm going to teach here, and I'm going to go here, and my life will look like this. This will be my salary. And nowhere in that did we ever consult God. And see what he'd have for me. Never once. God blessed us and allowed us to keep going on that path. And he'll still use it. You may be on the wrong road. You may have done blew that. But God loves you so much. He'll just let you serve where you're at. You serve where you're at. I wonder what God would do with Calvary Baptist Church. If we were truly sold out disciples. That we would give him all of our words. All of our actions. Give him all of life. That's Lordship. Let me say this. A fact. Jesus Christ came and became my sin on Calvary. He became your sin on Calvary. He became the, all the world's sin on Calvary. And when Jesus Christ died on Calvary's tree, what he did, he came and to get me out of hell. Because that's where I was headed, right? Amen? You agree with that? Here's what we miss. 
Also with Jesus Christ drying that brutal death on Calvary's tree as he become my sin. Not only did he come to get me out of hell, Jesus Christ also died to get the hell out of me. You see that? That's my inheritance is hell. I deserve it. That's where I'm supposed to be, hell. But see, he came not only to get me out of hell, but get the hell out of me so he can use me for his glory and his honor. How's that coming in your life? You say, well, hold up, preacher, you're saying that we got hell in us? Well, look at your life. Tell me if you do. How do you act? If you're acting like those that are headed to hell, well, apparently if the shoe fits, you need to put it on your foot and wear it because that's what you're looking like. See, Jesus got more in store for us than that. He wants lordship over life. He wants us to be his disciples. But let me say this. I want to warn you. When you start allowing the Holy Spirit to make a disciple out of you, tribulation will come. Look there in verse 9. He says, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom. But he mentioned something. You see how he said that? And in the kingdom. He knew that tribulations were going to come. But you know what? I'll take them right here because, see, I'm also going to be with you in the kingdom. I'm going to do the kingdom work and then I'm going to be in the kingdom because I do the work of the kingdom. But there's going to be tribulations that come. You see, we see that he's here. You read on down further and it tells us in verse 9 and patience of Jesus Christ in the isle that is called Patmos. See, he was sent where Rome sent all of its political prisoners and exiles. Being faithful to God Always brings success whether you can see it or not. You say, well, how's that? Well, I'm going to see this. John. John was in the Isle of Patmos and this world could look upon that and say, oh my goodness. How is he where God wants him to be? Because he was there. God didn't want him on the Isle of Patmos. A Roman couldn't put him there. That's a fact. He was there not because he wasn't obedient to God. No, John was there because he was obedient to the will of God. And you say, well, I don't see the glory in it. You're reading a book that he wrote this morning under the, end of, uh, under the inspired hand of the Holy Spirit. John saw in the glory. Where did he see it from? The Isle of Patmos as an exile. You don't base your success on what this world says to be success I'm going to say something else about this what God shows us in this now John could attend any of these churches God said John I want you to write to these churches so he's saying John you can attend these churches and I want you to write what these churches are to do so it's selling for God to attend John you write down what the Holy Spirit shows you so we need to look at John's life because he could attend the church that God attends he says something here when he says I John but I'm exiled on Patmos. Here's what this shows me. You start watching a bunch of these Christian celebrities. Be careful. Because I'll tell you this. There's no big shots in God's work. You believe that? 
these Christian celebrities that people act like they walk behind, they've got an entourage walking behind them, you've got to have a certain kind of water for them to drink if they show up at the church or something. I have a problem with that. The entourage in which followed the Apostle Paul was the ones that wanted to kill him, not to praise him. You watch that bunch, it locks on to something and thinks this is a spiritual big shot here. You will find the best preaching in America today from behind the pulpits of men that stand there humble before God, never talk about who they are, and just let God move through them. If that person is so high on their self, I can tell you they're not of God because no big shots in it. There's no stars. No stars in the work of the Lord except the bright morning star, which is Jesus Christ. You start taking light off that and you've missed the call. You've missed it. You see, a true disciple, all things are done for God's glory. They are faithful to God and God alone, regardless of what man says. They'll just be faithful to God. And they'll be humble in doing it. I want to clear something up. We've went through and our nominating committee has found people and praise God for you. But I'm going to say this. Somewhere, we think, well, you know, nobody else will teach it, I'll teach it. Well, as long as nobody will say anything to me, I'll just keep on going with it. You're missing this. You see, a child of God will be faithful. A child of God will be looking to serve God. That's what they do. That's what it's see here. See, a child of God wants to serve God. A child of God is waiting for God to direct them in a certain way that God can get glory. So I say this, you just be faithful. You just keep singing in the choir, running the sound system, uh, passing the offering plate, counting the offering, teaching Sunday school, changing diapers in the nursery, greeting people as they come in, turning off and on the lights. You just keep going. You keep praying for your church and praying for me. And you just keep on and on. And when we cross the finish line, God will say, Glory! That was enough! That's enough! That's enough! We've missed it somewhere to where we have to make think we have to make it fit our life. I'm going to tell you the Isle of Patmos didn't fit John in John's book. But that's where God said He'd serve him and He did it there. And we sit around here and say, well... If I can make it every once in a while, I'll do it. God help us. God help us. This is not a place to be entertained. This isn't a place to draw crowds out. This is a place to worship. Where two or three are gathered. Where two or three are gathered. But also a church that God attends will be excited. Look there in verse 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. Man, that's what I look for this morning. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit and I heard something as many great water as a trumpet talking behind me, moving behind me. John's fixing to worship here. You know why? Because Jesus done showed up. He wanted him there. And Jesus is fixing to show up and he's excited. You see, Jesus arose on the first day of the week. Pentecost started first day of the week. There's something special about that. I'm going to tell you. Now, every day is the Lord's day. Don't you get me wrong. 
But there is a day that's set aside that is the Lord's day. So before you start looking at that clock up there, wondering what time it is, I'm going to get out of here. You didn't prepare your heart to be worshipped. That's what you're thinking of. That's the fruit I will be able to see in your life. This is the Lord's day. Every day is the Lord's day, but you see, this day set aside. There's something real special. Real special. That's why it says, forsake not the assembling together. We need to be here together. Because we're going to come together and expect God to do something real big. You see, a true disciple won't wake up on Sunday morning and say, my goodness, I need to go ahead and finish that yard. I had time yesterday, but I went fishing. Ah, I'm not going to mow it. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Family, just go on without me. Because I didn't prioritize things in my life that God could get the glory out of it. I fished all day yesterday. I'll just mow today. Something's wrong. You see, John was excited. He said that when he, he was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. You know the way we should have woke up this morning, regardless how we did. We should have rolled out of bed before we ever got stood up good. We should have been on bent knee. And we should have said, Lord, I'm looking so forward to you filling up this bedroom with your presence and the Spirit falling upon me that you're already preparing me when I get to your house today that everything I say, everything I do will be a worship to you. Regardless of the song, regardless of the passage, I will worship you in spirit and truth at your house today. I don't know how you got up, but I'm going to tell you that's what God expects you to get up like. But you know what you do on Monday? The exact same thing. Because all ground is holy ground. We do the same thing on Monday. But then also a church that God attends has a great responsibility. Oh me. We've done talked about giving him all my life. Talked about my money here. Now we're going to talk there's a responsibility to this. Well, if you want God to attend, you'll have, Calvary will have one. I believe a lot of churches today are suffering because they don't care if God attends it. But if you want Calvary to have God attend it, we're going to have to understand that we have a responsibility. Look there in verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned I saw seven golden candlesticks. Now, those candlesticks are these seven churches. You see, God's got them in His hand here. Or Christ's got them in His hand. He's holding these candlesticks. Calvary Baptist Church, we are to be the bearers of the light, which is Jesus Christ. This church cannot be a light. This will get you in trouble. Churches around it think, I'm the light. Man, we do so much good here. We fed 37 folks last week. We're the light. No, you're not the light. There's no light in us except what Jesus Christ radiates through us. Jesus is the light and we're the bearer of the light. See, that way we don't ever get our motives misscrewed up and get our, uh, our thoughts all out of whack when we just say, you know what, I'm not the light, but I've been called to be a bearer of the light. I'm going to let Jesus be shown through everything that I do. When I give away food, you know what else I'll do with that food? We've missed it if we're just giving away food and we're not giving them the gospel with the food. Right? Because what good's it going to do you to go to hell on a full stomach? It's about the gospel. It's always about the gospel. 
And we are to feed those that are hungry and clothe those that have no clothes to wear. We are to do those things, but we're to be the light of Jesus Christ and we need to tell them why we've done it. They need to be told of why we've done it. You know, sin binds. Sin has bound up churches and sin has bound, binded up and blinded this community. I'm going to say this. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't need props, ornaments, or decorations. All it needs is to be proclaimed. It's not about entertaining you. Our hearts should be so on fire with what God has given us through His grace, through Jesus Christ the Lord, that we're ready to proclaim it. We just trust the gospel to change lives. It's enough every time. It's enough every time. And it is the responsibility of Calvary Baptist Church to carry it through this world. But also a church that God attends will be an instrument for Him. There in verse 13. And in the midst... Of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot and girded about the paths with a golden girdle. Now listen. We have a responsibility, but having a responsibility and being an instrument is two different things. See, an instrument has a certain purpose. So if you know you have a responsibility, say amen. You have a responsibility. If you're saved, you can say amen. It's all right. Okay. Okay, are you that instrument now? Do you know that certain purpose of what you're going to be used for? Well, God hadn't revealed it to me yet. Watch out now. A church that God attends, the people there will be an instrument. They know what they're to do. So let me say this. Now you listen. God does not want you to do one thing for Him. Now I want you to grab this. No. God wants to do something with you. You see the difference in that? God doesn't need you to do one thing for Him, but God loves you so much He wants to do something with you. Calvary Baptist Church, we need to find out what God wants to do with us. We need to become that instrument We need to let Him have that Lordship over our life and to know that there's an excitement about telling the Gospel and there's a great responsibility to the Gospel in Jesus Christ. And I will be that instrument to do it. Just tell me where you want me and what purpose that is. You know what? We're going to have to get ourselves out of the way so God can do something with me. I've got to get myself out of the way. So God can do something with me. Then lastly here, finishing up, the church that God attends, worship is about a living Savior. Look, man, who can't worship this? Look there in verse 13. Let's look at what Jesus looks like here. In the midst of the seven candlesticks, one unto them, the Son of Man clothed with a garment down to his foot and girded about with paps of golden girdle, and his head and his hair were like uh, white like wool and white as the snow, and his eyes were as flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they burned in furnace. And his voice was a sound of many waters, And he had in his right hand seven stars. 
And out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. I'm going to tell you, those seven, this is a special part of this verse to me. Verse 15 or 16 where it says seven stars, seven messengers. This angel, that's the, that's the preachers of the seven churches, what that is. I'm going to say this. It is an honor to be a pastor called of God. What a privilege. That God says, I'm going to call you to preach and I'm going to entrust you over Jesus Christ's sheep as their under-shepherd to lead, guide, and direct them through the preaching of my word. That's the key. There's not anyone here who say Gary Carter's not a knucklehead. I'll fail you. But I can tell you this, I'm called to preach and I'm called to stand behind this pulpit. And I'm called to have a compassion for God's people in my heart. I'm called to take God's message that He gives me throughout the week and allow Him to stir that in my soul. Correct me with it. Correct me in it. And to put a passion in me and it should be so on fire on Sunday morning that the gospel would be radiating through me and God's people and myself shall be fed from it. And I'm thankful today for that privilege. I'm thankful that He called me to do that. I'm thankful for that today. And then Jesus says something here in this passage. We're told in verse 17... When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and last. You know, there's sometimes I need to be revived. Amen? See, the gospel does that. There's times that uh, I've gotten myself into a rut And I need something to inspire me. I need something to correct me. I need something to start guiding me and set my soul on fire. But there's also times that I need encouragement and instruction. You see, the Word of God gives you both of them at the same time if you're looking for it. Sometimes I need to be encouraged. He said, fear not. It's been said, and I've actually said it, and I heard other people say it. I think that God's fixing to do something at Calvary. Well, shouldn't we always expect Him to do something? Shouldn't we expect that all the time? And we say, well, you know, you got to be careful. When things start happening, when things start moving, Satan's going to show up. You're exactly right, but I'm going to tell you what we can do. I'll tell you something that can happen in that. Where a lot of churches get in problems when Satan shows up, there was a little spark. God gave them a little of a direction here and they started in that direction. Then they got maybe full of themselves and they got off track and started thinking about how they'd do it their own way and Satan shows up and defeats the whole thing because of it. You know what we can do? I'm going to tell you how we can win in this. I'm going to share it with you. And it's this. The reason so often churches are attacked by Satan is because they're not going outside the church. He knows where we're at. Let me tell you what we can do as Calvary Baptist Church. When we get be disciples, let me tell you what can happen. You know how we can keep Satan out of our church? We fight Satan out there. 
We get girded up with the truth of the Word of God. We get equipped, all of us blood-bought children of God. We get equipped. We get on fire for Christ. We say we're going to leave these doors and we're going to push Him out of Drew County with the sword of the Spirit. When Jesus Christ was in the wilderness, all these great things that went on and in His uh, weakest state, what happened? Satan showed up. Satan showed up and started tempting him. You know what? Jesus wasn't singing Kumbaya. You know what he done? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Us, these bo- uh, uh, us being blood-bought children of God, we have the sword of the Spirit. The book of Ephesians tells us that we have all the defensive armor that we need. But that defensive armor isn't just to stand there and take a beating. No, we're to draw a sword and push forward. And Jesus Christ, with the sword of the Spirit, will push Satan back into hell with it. And I'll be victorious in it. Amen. That's what we can do at Calvary. I wasn't born to be a victim. No, I was reborn to be a victor. And I've never seen anywhere in the Word of God that God's people lost ground when they was right with Him. You? We say, well, you know, Satan gets in here. He's going to attack us. Well, I'll tell you what, let's attack him first. Just attack him. What's to say that you and I can't attack Satan with the sword of the Spirit? Jesus gave me a sword. I have the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God is here. I have that to attack him. I don't have to wait for him to come at me. I'll attack him first. The reason churches fail, they never made the first move and let Satan attack them. So I say this. Let's do this. Brother Tony, at first light in the morning, How about you and me rolling out of bed and getting right with God and open up the sword of the Spirit and say, I tell you what, Satan, I'm fixed to push you out of here. First thing, first light, I'm fixing to attack you and I'm going to drive you out of Drew County. Think that's possible? Of course it is. Of course it is. I hope that you desire to have a church that God would attend. But it will only be proven by the way you live your life. Just because the sign says we start worship service at 11 o'clock, that doesn't mean that's when worship starts. Just because you can read it online and you can see it written on a bulletin, that has nothing to do when worship starts. For today, there are many churches that have that their worship starts at this time, and it's never been it hadn't been started in 15 years. I want a church that God attends. Amen. Church that God attends, but it'll start within me. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care for me. I thank you that you want to use me. That you don't need me. You don't need me. You want to use me for your purpose. Your glory. I pray that you've been worshipped here today. I pray that you move in spirit and truth during this time of invitation and the stillness of it that you would search each and every heart through the moving of God the Holy Spirit. Find those things in there that I'm not qualified to see because I'm not clean enough to see them. Those small specks or even the big ones. Reveal them to me so I can confess them and be right. 
and in the morning, first light, that I'll attack. I'll attack for your glory and your honor. Amen. Ask everyone to stand.